Hello friends, welcome to the podcast. I'm your host, Chad Longworth, and today's guest is Caleb Abney. Caleb is a former hitting coach for the Minnesota Twins and most recently was a hitting coach at Covenant College as well. This past summer, 2021, was the manager of the Staunton Braves in the Shenandoah Valley League. He is one of my favorite follows on Twitter as an open-minded challenger of conventional wisdom. Caleb will never be satisfied with status quo or the way things have always been done in hitting development. If you don't already follow him, I would suggest you go there and do that now. If you like this episode and would like instant access to all of the roundtable discussions, you can join LPD Plus. It's an online coaching community filled with these discussions as well as drill videos, sample programming, anything for the curious-minded coach that's looking for better ways to train hitters, pitchers, baseball, and softball. Thanks again for tuning in. Without further delay, let's get on with the show. Oh, man, I don't I'm know. I'm glad we troubleshooted that. Yeah, I don't know what I was doing wrong. That was weird. I'm a troubleshooting guru, man. I just start clicking <laughs> buttons and see what happens. Well, that's really all it is, isn't it? That's if, all troubleshooting if is. If nothing catches on fire, then we're good. <laughs> turn it off and turn it back on again? Yep, yep. That, that's I, when awesome. I When I taught in high school, when I taught PE in high school, I'm like, on the first day, today's the first day of school for my kids. And in the first day of school for in my class, I'm like, look, we've really kind of got two rules in here. We're not going to fight each other. We're not going to set any fires. If we can, if we can abide by those two things, we should be all right. This class will be fine. Um, Not going to fight. Not going to start any fires. Uh, I'm not. I'm not to keep. I have to keep that in mind for future teams that I coach. (laughs) For sure. I don't know how you'd start a fire on a baseball field, but I the team that Nick played on Uh in 2011 was just filled with jabronis. I mean, it was, you want to talk about just the greatest collection of, and so this, we, we, we end up being, we end up, I don't know that we were really good, but we ended up winning a lot. Mm-hmm. And so we get to the state tournament, which this bunch had no business ever leaving Wise County, but we got to put them on a bus. and We got to take them to the state tournament now. And so, like, the principal's like, he's, like, sending the football coach to chaperone. And, like, there's, like, people on the bus that that have never been around these guys before. (laughs) And so I'm like, look, early on, one of the other guys is like, what are they doing? I'm like, look, unless you smell smoke, don't turn around because you don't know. (laughs) You don't want to know what they're doing. Who knows what they're doing? Unless, Unless you smell smoke, do not turn around. I would, I would, I would imagine Nick was uh, definitely one of the ringleaders of that, right? <laughs> it would have been hard to be a ringleader with that bunch. It would have been right. like, yeah. I won't say he wasn't in partaking in the in the rambunctiousness right. of that of that team, yeah. but I don't, man. That that team was something else. It was, was something that his else. Senior year. It was his senior year. We get beat in the state finals. And again, we had no business being there. We just got incredibly hot at the right time. At the right and time, and it like things were just working. Yep, yep. You know, it was that was a funny year statistically because 
again, it's always these punches in the face. And it's like, hmm, maybe what I thought previous to now is not as true as I thought it was. You know, I screenshotted this yesterday. This guy, I don't, you aren't, as much as you get yelled at on Twitter, you weren't in this argument. It was in the tweet where the guy tweeted that high OPS and something else, 40 bombs, played better than high batting average, and yada, 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 and people just yelled at him. And there was this one high school, I guess the high school Twitter profile, goes into this like couple, of tweet, couple of tweet thread about how he's wrong and how at the high school level, ground balls and catch the whole jargon of that to get to the end, to tell the guy his high school team didn't hit very good this year. <laughs> and I'm like, this That's is classic. all time. I screenshotted it and just <laughs> saved it. Like this is all time. Like he went through this whole big thing about how he was wrong to get to the end of it, to tell him my high school team didn't hit very good this spring. I'm like, it's like, huh? Maybe not. Does nothing, does, does nothing resonate in your mind? Like maybe I should change. Maybe try something. Right. Sure. You know, maybe my, what I just said is not the best way to do it. No, let's just keep on so trudging funny. down the same path that's leading yeah, to Yeah, it was so funny. Worse but results. to my point about that team, to that point we we had been we had been like this anti which in high school if if you can put the ball in play with two strikes typically not all the time but an error is more likely to occur at that level than right. at higher levels. And so I felt that way. It's like we can't strike out. We got to limit strikeouts, yada, yada, yada. Well, this team wasn't very good. <laughs> and so we struck out a bunch. But on the flip side of this, we got on base a lot and we hit a lot of doubles. And so we scored runs. And it's like, huh, maybe, maybe strikeouts aren't that big a deal. Was that kind of the beginning of your. Was that kind of the beginning of your like starting to realize, hey, maybe there's something to this? Well, to the thought process of, you know, if we can get on base, you know, we walked a lot, we got we got hit by pitches a lot. We had kids that were and I told them, I said, if you get two strikes on you and you move out of a way of a pitch that's coming at you, don't turn around. Don't turn around and look at me, because you may be coming out. And so they stood in there with two strikes. They wore balls with two strikes. Got on base a lot, and then we just hit a bunch of doubles. And it's like, huh. I don't know that my ideas of training changed at that point, but my ideas of maybe we put more emphasis on not striking out than we should. Maybe we should put more emphasis on hitting doubles. Hitting doubles and making sure that, again, we can – this is we're going to go down this rabbit hole, but like not being an idiot and swinging at everything mm-hmm. while you're the Twitter guy who says swing at everything, right? <laughs> there's, there's, uh, there is, Again, there is definitely some we're going to unpack that. that. Yeah, yeah, we're yeah, going to yeah. unpack that for sure. Now, but that's what I wanted to talk about. So, I don't know who you were talking to. There was a maybe a former big leaguer. There was maybe a former big leaguer that was yelling at you one day that said, so if I come 
maybe we should give some background yeah. to this conversation. To this conversation, if you don't know Caleb and you don't follow Caleb on Twitter, Caleb is one of the best like task environment guys on Twitter, and you know does a good job of outlining examples of there's not one way to do it. You know, there's not one way to get this thing done. There's a multitude of ways to get this thing done and you have to train and you have to address all of that, not just a singular form of that. Um, that's kind of the, the, the broad idea, but I wanted to talk about that guy, not that guy specifically, but I think to outline your position of, hey, Caleb, my name's Chad. I want to work with you. You know, I want to come in and work with you. What is that? Let's start and unpack that and talk about what that looks like. Because I think on Twitter, people just see you as like, we're going to come in here and we're going to turn the machine on 92 miles an hour and we're going to bounce it halfway there. Go figure it out. And it's probably has more depth than that. <laughs> For sure. Yeah. I, I think it's easy. Uh, you know, it, it's, it's, it's easy with the format of Twitter and kind of how things, um, how things kind of play out regularly on there as far as conversations that people have and our tendency towards black and white thinking. And we want to operate in extremes and, uh, you know, well, uh, I'm, I'm in this camp or I'm in this camp. I'm in right. this silence to, to want to put people in a box and say, okay, well, well, this, this particular person says this on a regular basis. So this must be all that they believe in. Um, right. and not really thinking about things in terms of nuance or context or allowing for different situations to lead to different ideas on things or, or ways that we want to try to accomplish things or maybe different areas that we want to train or things that we want to emphasize. So I think it's easy, you know, with, as you said, the types of things that I say and the types of things that I put out there. Um, and this, and I even said this to the guy that you're talking about because, and he actually brought up a really good point in the beginning of that. Yeah. I thought the conversation was actually good. Yeah. But I it was, to like yeah, it was talk to you. Like sure. I wanted people to hear you. And you can address this from like a team coaching standpoint too. It doesn't right. have to be just me calling saying, Hey, I want to work with you. What does that look like? You right. know, let's say you're the hitting coach of X school or X org or X independent team or whatever. Like, what does that look like? Yeah. You know, because I think he, he brought up a really good point in saying, uh, you know, cause he asked me that question, but he also brought up the really good point that I, you know, that it seems that I, you know, put out things that I am very critical of and I have critiques of and issues that I have and, and, you know, more from like a negative, a negative perspective, but you know, he doesn't know exactly what I believe in and like the type before. So that was a really good point that he made and something that I definitely need to be better in and, and an area that I'm going to work to be better in. Um, I don't think that that means that we shouldn't be critical of things that we feel like are issues if they are problematic or potentially toxic, which I do think that there are some things that are out there. That's a whole nother conversation um, sure. that, that we might get into in, in this call. Who knows? Um, but uh, at the same time, talking about things that I 
that I am for and that I do believe in uh, can be more beneficial. So having that that opportunity to kind of explain that to him a little bit, and then you asking me this 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 question is um, very beneficial, I think, to me, so that you know people can kind of understand in more than 280 characters or whatever it is, or if you put a thread out there, let's, let's, let's be honest. How many people actually read threads? Most people just read the one tweet and (laughs) right. Um, but anyway, um, quite frankly, the average, I think the stat is the average American reads on an eighth grade level. mm -hmm. And so anything that's read, it's like, how are people even reading this? Like, what what voice that. are they even reading? What voice are they even reading this in? You know, mm-hmm. like who knows? Who knows? I know how I read your stuff, but I also understand where you're coming from, right? And what you're doing, yeah. uh, you know. So go ahead. So unpack that. So from from a standpoint of you know people saying, well, Caleb just. Um, you know, because there have been multiple people that have said this one person in particular that I, um, have not had the best of interactions or, uh, um, can be the most critical of the things that I have put out there or the questions that I like to ask. Um, you know, definitely something that I would want to have more of an intentional conversation with him, uh, because he literally has said things, he has publicly said things about me, not even to me, um, uh, of me being somebody who's just going to, as you said, crank the machine up to 110 miles an hour right. and stick guys in there and say, go figure it out. I'm not here. Go to help for you. it, man. Yeah. <laughs> and I, that is like nothing could be further from the truth. Now, do I believe in placing hitters in challenging environments and putting them in environments that are going to actually help elicit the right types of adaptations towards, uh, towards the task the goal in the right environments that are going to help them once they actually get in a game. Yes. Um, but am I just going to stick them in there and make it really, really hard and say, I don't really care if you're successful or not. Like you, Good luck, man. I'm not here to help. Yeah, no. Yeah, <laughs> that is not what I do. Um, uh, I, I, I actually am a believer of scaling activities at the beginning. Um, and anyone who has ever worked with me from you know in a team setting and individual setting, we don't like. Rarely do we actually go in the cages, and the first thing that we do is I turn the machine on as fast as possible, and it's just blowing them up. You know, right? I, I, I am I'm very similar to everybody else. I start out with very scaled down, less complex, uh, um, less difficult act- activities. Whether it's a, uh, um, I mean, you and me both, we're not yeah. key guys, so we. Don't I've, start on the I've team, never seen but. you work with guys, and I've never seen you coach guys before, but my guess is probably with your strength and conditioning background, it doesn't even start in the cage. Like if we're going to start, yeah. it doesn't even start in the cage. Right. Yeah. So, right? It, so yeah, my guess is, yep. right. And my, my thought is, and this is where I am is you address the, the underlying lying physical skills, like the strength, the mobility, the stabilization, those things that, that are going to help a hitter. Because, quite frankly, the way the hitter moves under stress and under pressure, it's a byproduct of those things. Mm-hmm. I mean, it is. Like, how they're going to move is 
you know, guy, guy, I'm going to use an example, a hitter comes up out of posture, right? And, and just can't start by addressing, like, are they strong enough in their trunk? Like, instead of saying, well, you know, you need to not do that. Right. 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 That's just an example. But the example that I want to make is for you with your strength conditioning background, starting to work with a hitter probably doesn't even start in the cage. Right. Right. Yes. And I think addressing those. um, So, so there is, there is more general training and then there is more specific training from a skill standpoint. Right. And what, and what you're referencing is, general movement training mm-hmm. um but in, in in my mind and the way that i attack that those things are separate right and i don't okay. and i don't attempt to i don't attempt to um you know from a strength and conditioning standpoint don't attempt to force those things to cross over in a very explicit manner um if the the more specific skill that you're trying to develop um, has to be contextual and it has to be tied to the task, then trying to apply these general movement concepts that you're talking about using your example, being strong right. and your trunk, having stability in your lower half, using your thoracic spine. Well, whatever the issue right. may be being able to create separation properly. Um, those are, those are general movements that we should be attempting to improve the general movement profile of athletes and to me, from a strength standpoint, that's not just in baseball. Those are things that we should be doing in any sport. Um, so there is that over here and addressing those types of issues. That's a good strength and conditioning program. That is implementing those types of movements that address those mobility concerns, those stability concerns before we actually get into hitting. And there might be slight overlap, you know, it, if you're trying to do something with a PVC pipe in your hands or right. – with a med ball in your hand and you're in right. the types of positions roughly that you're going to be in once you actually sure. get, once you actually get in into the cages, but you address that stuff. Then when you get in the cages, it's like, okay, we've addressed that stuff. We have a separate strength and conditioning program altogether where we're going to unpack that even more that you're going to do in right. the weight room. We acknowledge that over here, but once we get into the cages, we're trying to then move to specific. And I think right. one of the things that we are get like the flaws that I see in how we're addressing developing hitters is we're trying to cross that over too much right now. And we are trying to take general movement training and we are trying to um, work on that too much when a moving ball is not even involved in the equation or we're trying right. to evaluate movement separate from what the ball is actually going to be asking us to do. So I think that overlap is, um, is where I'm really passionate about making sure that that doesn't overlap too much. Um, you, and that there's separate let's say, for that. Let me ask this question. Like that big league, that professional guy, that guy, let's talk about, let, I'm going to ask this, this question and it pertains to that guy. Or if you get hired at X school, right? Do you, are you, do you do, or are you like a, a movement, like a OBU, TPI kind of movement assessment? Do you, would you do some sort of assessment on that professional guy or, you know, on the general players that you're going to have just to get an idea of 
some movement deficiency or some strength deficiency that you see that could that could lead to things that you might see in a cage or do you do you address those things or or I'm not a huge assessment guy like I I don't me either I'm not I'm not big on that you know I try to watch how players move again when the ball's flying at them and like ask questions of myself like could this be x y or z or how would we address x y or z again without me telling them too much like i don't want to tell them a lot you know i want to i want to give them as little of do this do that as possible like like right. it's funny because people come there was a guy who was home here in town that came and came to work out at my place but like i had some hitters in here and i think it's always surprising to people when they come, like, I don't say much, especially when the ball's flying at them. Like, I'm not saying a lot. You know, I've told I've told people, I, I like to talk in context now about my own kids. You know, I train my own kids, and it's like, we, we, I don't say much after the ball's hit. Let's move on. Like, you know, one more pitch is one more pitch, and let's move on. Anyway, I was going to ask the movement assessment question, like, if that guy comes in, do you get an idea, a broad idea of his physical profile? You know, he comes to work with Caleb. I was just curious about that because I'm not a huge yeah. movement assessment guy. I, I, I am with you on that. I am not a big movement assessment guy. I think they are, they got really trendy there for a while. I'm not yep. sure. I'm not sure how big they are right now. I feel like it's kind of died off just a little bit. Um, my 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 issue with those is uh, they aren't testing in the specific dynamic um, situations and contexts that they're actually going to be that those movements or that level of mobility or stability is actually going to be applied in. So it's hard for me to then think that there's going to be much transfer to it. So I'm not saying that there's no place for it and that like you right. can't ever get any benefit out of it from an overall building athleticism um, from like a, a, a general movement standpoint. But again, that gets back to the types of things that, that we should be doing for all athletes. And that, and that to me is a, it's more of a general strength and conditioning program. Like, okay, yes, everybody needs to work on mobility um, in various areas. If they have deficiencies in being able to, you know, accomplish a basic squat, a basic hinge, um, pulling properly, pushing properly, um, whatever properly means. I, right. I don't like using that word. Um, but having and quite ha- frankly, properly in, cause you worked in that world properly right. in that world is a little more fitting to, to the, to the, to describe the movement yeah. than in baseball, because but, again, the, the 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 task is not right. as wide ranging as yeah. a pitch thrown at you, right? right? So I think probably is more fitting in that world than and it, in, and it's swinging. It is based on if you're evaluating form form explicitly right. and what something looks like, or if you're achieving these specific mechanical checkpoints. Like for example, in in power, in powerlifting, if your hip doesn't get to parallel with your knee in a squat, it doesn't count. Like 
those are like, that's a basic checkpoint that if you don't make it, like that's like the whole basis of the sport. Like the squat doesn't count. If you don't lock out, if you don't lock out at the top on a clean and jerk in Olympic weightlifting, then the lift doesn't count. So like, those are things that you have to like, but that's the whole point of the sport. That's the whole point. And you have to coach to that. Yes. You you have have to to coach to to that. But but it's like, we're trying to take those types of principles and we're applying it to a sport where those things don't matter. And it isn't just baseball, a lot of sports where we're trying to apply those, those same types of, those same types of concepts that, uh, it like, it truly doesn't matter. That's not the whole point of the game. That's not the whole point of the sport. One of my favorite quotes, um, and I honestly don't even remember where I heard this. I, I want to say it was. FRC functional range conditioning was the first place that I heard that I think it was them. Um, uh, or it might be FMS. Well, no, it it wouldn't have been FMS because they, they probably wouldn't say something like this, but, um, uh, there's no such thing as a bad position. There are only positions that you are not prepared for. And that is something that when you really think about that, like, from a movement standpoint, it promotes everything from a mobility standpoint, athleticism. It doesn't try to constrict or uh, uh, restrict people into specific movement patterns that they have to look a certain way, or you know, your back has to be completely straight on this RDL, or don't you have any flexion in this particular right. joint or this particular lever? Well, well, maybe, but what if you actually did stress or overload? these positions that maybe we traditionally thought were bad or poor. And what if we created strength in that range of motion? Isn't that the whole point of mobility? So to me, the movement screens and the movement assessments, they, they focus so much on fitting people into these specific movement boxes and that it has to look a certain way or, you know, check these points off. But to me, that's kind of anti what we should be doing. We should be trying to promote more freedom and more, movement in these joints i mean assuming it's not to the point of where the joint integrity is being uh right sure uh pushed to the point where it's you know isn't intact anymore but um to me we should be encouraging these 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 wider broader positions that we could potentially maybe be finding strength in that, that, that then we could be able to use in competition so that's one of the reasons why i don't like the assessments too much it gives you a decent idea generally, but I think the overall idea of them are to restrict and confine more than the ability to find freedom in movement based on the task demands. With you for sure. All right, let's go back to let's go back to um, starting out with the hitter or hitters in a team setting. Uh, I'm coming to you. I'm coming to you. We we were going to get in the cage. And I interrupted you about start not starting in the cage or movement right, assessments yeah. or whatever. I mean, yeah. there's a, there's a thing, there's a, I mean, there is a, there's a lot of places you can start, you know, there's a lot of places you can start. There's a lot of things you can look at, you know? Right. So I, I, I will break it down very simply how I try to do it. I try to keep, keep things as, 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 as simple as possible in my brain. Um, and as simple as possible. Cause I feel like that's going to, be what works best in a, a team setting, honestly, in an in individual setting. And it's going to allow me to be able to assess and figure out what, what 
what things we need to work on, what areas of, of weakness that we need to attack both individually and team wise. So, um, the way I think about it is in terms of ABC, this is how I kind of break up everything as far as what I feel like are the most important things that all hitters need to, uh, need, need, need to work on and the areas in which they need to improve. A is for approach. Um, and that's a very broad word. Um, sure. um, but to me, that is actually putting them in the types of situations and I'm not, and, and this is in no particular order. I don't necessarily start with a, and then go to B and then go to C, but right. these are the three areas that I try to construct the, the, the task activities that I, um, I, I'm a lot like Nick. I don't like the word drill. Um, sure. uh, but I, I, I like to, I like, to, I, I think I said that on Twitter one day. Yeah. I think I said activity purposefully, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but again, but again, and I've told Nick this, sometimes when in Rome, you have to speak like a Roman. Yes. So you have to, you have to, while you don't like it to connect with the people that you're speaking to, you have to use a term that they will understand. Yes. And so you won't believe this, this kind of topic. You won't believe how many people I have talked to about, hitting and kind of how we go about our framework to which we design drills, activities, training set, training event, whatever, by starting with an energy drink question in the last bunch of days, bunch of weeks that I've been doing energy drink reviews on the internet. <laughs> like people will be like, Hey man, what do you think about X? And then somehow we roundaboutly come to talk about hitting. Yeah. And it's really cool. That's why I did it's, it actually. It, it, no, that's that. That's actually a really good point. Like finding a way to to relate to people that maybe don't have uh, a desire to have a deeper understanding of these types of things. They don't. You have to. I can't even engage them in a conversation. You have to relate to them on their level. Like talk to them about energy drinks. Yeah, it may go to hitting. It may not. But at least you're talking to them. Yep. It starts the conversation, and then maybe you can have an impact that way. Yeah. I, if you're I'm wondering what the heck Chad is doing at. for energy drink reviews on the internet for, mm-hmm. that's kind of why. Yep. That's no, that, kind of why. That, that is an excellent way to put it, and definitely, definitely an area that that I know that I can Im, Im, improve in. There are times that that I try to do that more so than others, and there are times where I'm like, you know what, this just needs to be said in this way. Yeah, this is really hard to get around. Yeah, <laughs> right. But then there are right. other times where it's like, okay, I'll 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 bend a little bit. I'll, I'll mold with myself that. a little bit so that yeah. so that people can like. But like, there are times where it's like, nope, I'm saying this. I'm doing this. This is just right for sure. Um, for sure. So it, All right, let's go back to the balance, cage. But, yeah, let's so, go back to the cage and the and the activities. Yeah. So we're maybe, talking about approach. To me, it's approach. It's barrel precision and it's contact quality. Those are that's A, B, C to me. Um, so to me, what those mean, um, uh, in simplest terms, um, and I actually got this from when I, I kind of formulated this from my time when I was, when I was with the twins and, you know, we would have conversations when I was there about the most important things that hitters need to do and kind of burying it down, like drilling, drilling. Drilling it down to, uh, you know, kind of stripping it back to what are the most important things that hitters need to focus on, like what, like what actually is hitting, and yep. it came down to really three questions or three insights. Um, what, 
what what types of pitches are we swinging at? Are we making good swing decisions? Are we making right. good swing decisions? So to me, that's the approach piece. To me, that is being in a challenging environment. That is being in an unpredictable environment. That is adding task variability, just like we're going to get in a game. Um, that is doing short boxes. It's doing mixed BP. Um, it's setting up the two machines where you have to, you don't know if it's going to be the fastball or the breaking ball. It's doing game-like environment activities that represent the game as much as possible. Are we making good swing decisions? Are we making a good decision? That's kind of the first question um, that sort of the approach came from there. The second piece of it is, um, are, are we actually making, are we actually making contact when we do make that decision? Um, are we, um, are we consistently actually hitting the ball on the barrel? Okay. So the first piece, we've made a good decision, whether to swing or not, when we do decide to swing, are we making contact? Um, and that's your bat, your bat to ball skills, your barrel skills. Um, and that's where the, the B and the B part comes in. That's your barrel, our barrel precision. So those, so those activities that I will design will be, your no, your no take rounds, um, which guys hate. Um, that's the swinging at everything right. thing that you mentioned earlier. Nope. Um, yep. that's where the tennis swings where guys have to hit a ball off a of bounce. No, no matter yep. where it is. That's, uh, that's small, small wiffle balls with small skinny PVC pipes. Yep. Um, it's, it's stuff like that. That is to encourage literally just hitting the ball on the barrel, no matter where it is, we're taking, any sort of thinking about movement or mechanics out of it, we're just figuring out how to get the ball to the barrel no matter where it is. So that's the B portion, the barrel precision. And then the third question, so are we making good swing decisions? Are we uh, making contact when we do make that decision? That's our barrel precision. And then the third question, um, when we make contact, are we hitting the ball uh, with high exit velocity at the proper angles? To me, that's the contact quality. So yep. – um, that's that third question. And that's the C in the equation, the contact quality. So that's your bat speed training. That's, uh, you know, swinging the overload, underload bats. That's this, the swing speed sticks that you make. That's, yep. um, you know, all the stuff that we're doing, that's actually where our general strength conditioning program can come in handy too. We're, yep. we're, we are building the ability to, to, to create force. And that should be something that we should dedicate ourselves to. I know that there is a significant faction of Twitter that somehow, somehow thinks that developing bat speed should not be a priority. I don't know how those people arrive at that. I have no idea. I don't get it. I I will have people come in my, I will have people slide in my DMS saying bat speed is something we should not be chasing. The more bat speed that you have, I've literally had people say the more bat speed that you have, uh, the less success, like he has implied, if not directly right. said, the more bat speed that you have, the less successful that you would be because the bat is, it, it, it shouldn't be moving fast. And like my mind just blew. But anyway, that's another I have topic. no idea. Um, I have no idea. You so, might as well tell me the sky is orange. It, it, it just, it doesn't make sense to me how you can say the bat moving faster when it hits the ball is not a good thing. I have no and idea. Bat moving slower. There's so many good things that happen. When the bat moves faster, I, I just I, I don't get. But anyway, um, yeah, so we can go. It, I have no idea. It's amazing. It, honestly, I I wouldn't even know how to dive deep down that because I don't know how much deeper you go. Like to me, it's it's settled, right? Like Isaac Newton settled this like a long time ago, like like with an understanding of physics that 
uh, force equals mass times acceleration. I, I, I just, it, it's been settled for a long time. So, but anyway, um, it's baseball, so, it's baseball it's, community, baseball guys, yeah. right? The ba- I don't know, man. The I baseball don't know. Hitting bros, as I like to call yeah, them. Yeah, I love um, it. But, love um, it. anyway, so, so, and I've got that, this, I've got this, I, this, this, the hitting bros that you talk about. Like, I'm in my mind, I know what that guy looks like. Yes. I know what that guy looks like. And you know what he I, sounds I, like. I, I know what he sounds like. I know what he's saying. <laughs> it's, it's like I told somebody, I told somebody that. I don't know. We I get a lot of interaction through our young guys of coaches that play because I don't get involved in any teams of just the things that are said in teams. And it's like all, everybody thinks they know everything. They all say the same thing. Mm-hmm. Like they all have the same lingo and the same – they say the same yeah. stuff. And it's like – It's like they all I share suppose. one brain. Yeah. It's like, like It's like plugged just- into the hitting, hitting bro – you're just repeating the same things that you hear. Yet those people will argue with one another. I don't know how. Yeah. Like, I don't know so how funny. they argue with each other because they all think the same I way. said that, though, about my touch on bad speed and exit velocity is every single player, including Aaron Judge or Giancarlo, needs to train to hit the ball harder. Like, yep. if you hit the ball 120, you should be trying to hit it 125. Why not? Like, if you hit it 125, you should be trying to hit it 130. If you hit it 80, you should try to hit it 85. Like, you should try to hit the ball harder all the time. Now, those guys, those super elite guys, I mean, that conversation is hard. That's that's not – the conversation is not hard to have, but identifying things they need to do to do that is harder yeah. than low-hanging fruit of a kid that comes in at 75 miles an hour. Like, this is pretty easy. Like, here's – you're a sophomore in high school. You hit the ball 75 miles an hour. We need to hit the ball 90 for you, yes. for pe- for anyone to even know your name. And so we have to prioritize that. There's nothing it's else. obvious there. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. Right. And so, but anyway, I like that. Keep going. Keep going. I like where we're going here. I. So that's, so that's kind of the model that I use. It's that A, A, B, C model. So I will, and I have a stable of activities um, in each of those categories. The approach category, which is are we making good good sw- good swing decisions? And the way that you train that is to be in an environment where the hitter has to make a decision. Um, right. I can't stress that enough. Like you can't work on swing decisions unless you're in an environment where the hitter has to make a decision, and it's in the type of right. environment that they're going to be making the decision in a game. Now, right when you have two two machines set up, is that you know, or you're moving the location right. of the pitch around? Is that exactly the same? No, but is it better than you know, uh, a coach throwing money BP right down the middle, right. and they know what it's going to be every time? Yeah, it's yeah. definitely better than that because they're actually having to be challenged and and. Uh, they're actually having to be put under a level of stress or anxiety. But anyway, um, right. so you're going to love approach- this story. I haven't told this story on Twitter. I'll tell it really quickly, though. My daughter, who's nine, albeit she's nine, so she's a very low low end athlete mover. Starts kid pitch this year. We've hit. We've bounced balls. We've done all the. We've checked all the boxes. We've prioritized bat speed. We've prioritized adaptability, variability. We've we've done. We, we continue to do those things. But she gets to her first kid pitch tournament, 
back in March, February, March. I don't remember. She goes out there with no idea how to time a pitcher, a softball pitcher, right? And no idea what pitches she should swing at and what pitches not to swing at. And I was like, holy crap. I didn't see this coming, but okay. Yeah. This is what it is, right? So I had, I have an Oculus. I have an Oculus. And I'm like, we're going to try this because I have no other way to represent a softball pitcher on a mound flinging pitches at her anywhere. We don't know where they're going to be. I have no other way to represent that. No idea. So I bought the bad attachment on the Oculus, put the Oculus on her. Her timing, because, again, we can unpack timing also, like how you how you get hitters through timing. But her timing and swing decisions today, because we've hammered the Oculus over and over and over again. Is it a perfect solution? I think I talked to Julian um, in Jacksonville. Gonzalez on yeah. about Oculus. I said it's not a perfect. It's it's not a perfect situation, but it's but it's the only way I could come up with answering that question of are we properly representing swing decisions? Because yeah. outside of putting a pitcher on the mound up there, and we can't, I mean, we don't have the resources to do that every day. This is the best option. Right. Is it a perfect option? No, it's not. Especially for high level players. Like when I put it on and I do it, for me, identifying balls and strikes is pretty good. But like for a higher level player, the spin the spin recognition would need to be higher in it because it's hard to differentiate between pitches early if you yeah. if you're not somehow you know seeing an identifying spin, which is a whole other question. But for my daughter, and for anybody that watches this that like is in that you know, that very, very early stage or even middle stage of development. The Oculus is an excellent option, really and truly it is. Like, for swing decisions, I mean, so they have the thing where you can hit the ball now. We've never done that. I don't care about that. I just wanted to see a pitcher flinging a ball at her that may or may not be a strike. Yeah. And identify that. And for some level of decision, even if it's not perfect because – you're not really in the yeah. perfect environment because you're looking at a screen instead of actually having sure. the spatial yep. awareness yep. and you know being in the actual environment. And there's all kinds of things that you can pick up from pitchers sure. when it's a live pitcher. So there's there are significant differences, but just to give some level of visual stimulation yep. to what that is similar to what you're going to see is then going to give you just a little bit more information to where when you see it actually in real life in the right. actual spatial environment that you're going to be used to, you're at least not going off yeah. of nothing. So I think that for those purposes, right. yeah, that, that, that could definitely Again, serve that purpose. It's not sure. at all improved her precision at all. I mean, we're still, you know, weighted bats, variable distance BP, you know, changing the distance of the BP. Right. So the timing I've talked about that a lot lately is, you know, I don't know much, but I know the body does learn in a vacuum and the brain doesn't process yeah. things in a vacuum. Mm-hmm. And so if we're going to, if we're going to challenge hitters to time balls better, we need to challenge hitters to time balls better. And <laughs> yeah. by, by the fifth ball that I've, that I've thrown to you or the machines thrown to you, are you, is your brain actually processing anything anymore? Right. You know, because you don't get five shots in a game, you get one shot. Yes. And yeah. so, it's like it's this whole big rabbit hole of me just constantly questioning myself of 
am I doing what I need? I've compared it to putting. I've heard this analogy before. It's like practicing putting. You read the you read the speed in the break on the first on the first putt at the distance you're at. Maybe the second one, but after that, you're just kind of just mindlessly knocking the ball. Your your brain's not engaged anymore. And like you, you need your brain to engage all the time because again, this is a Franz Bosch. We may have talked about this before. But the body does learn by repeating the same motion over and over again. Yeah. The body learns by determining the difference between two modes, two different yeah. things. So if the body can, for me, timing because timing, I think you could put in maybe you put it in its own category, maybe you don't. Is like the body will learn by determining the difference between space and time between this pitch and this pitch. And if I can just constantly change space and time between pitches. Yeah. Again, is it a perfect solution? No, because the ball's not maybe representative of the speed you'll see it in a game, but at least we're, we're doing something. You're engaged too. That, Your brain is actually engaged. Yes. Which that, yes. Like that, that, that's my whole, not my whole, but that's a major part of an underrated part of my issue with, traditional batting practice that is for the purpose of feeling good or finding barrels right. or, or whatever you're doing. I, 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 I made this observation this past spring at covenant um, with some of our hitters. Um, and this wasn't the first time that I said this, but I remember I said this to a few guys and, and I kind of got like looks on their face. Like, Oh, I never thought about it like that. Um, we were watching another team take BP before a game. And it was just like the coach was laying it in there and I mean, we did some of that too. We sure. tried to move away. I think from there's it. a place for that at, yeah. from time to time. We did some of that. We didn't do a ton of it. They hated the fact that we didn't do a ton of it. And and, I'm, and I'd say there's growth. a place for it, not from the learn the learning standpoint, but just from like dude needs to like feel enjoying good. enjoying the game, enjoying yeah. yourself just when you're on the field. Feel yeah. good, yep. Right. So, but it was like all of batting practice was that for them, and I like you know we're watching this team and they're just hitting line drive after line drive after line drive and crushing balls and you know a few balls are going over the fence and and i made the observation i was like these guys are completely like they're on autopilot right now their brains are not engaged from pitch to pitch as far as what they're trying to do other than chasing that next good feeling which is my other issue with it you just start chasing good feelings instead of actually engaging your brain to adapt and be better for game time. Um, or, you know, it, it, if you're in a training environment for the game the next day, like, you know, during practice, or whatever. So that to me is, is, is a great point that you just made that engaging our brains and having to actually figure something out and actually confront that stress and anxiety and difficulty should be more important and should take precedence over, in my opinion, most of the time should take precedence over that good feeling um, and chasing that adaptation and that, and that level of stress that we have to kind of work through, which, and I know we've talked about this. We've talked about this uh, before. Um, I think you've called me the, 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 the one pitch Nazi when it comes to <laughs> yeah. uh, like yeah. the three, the three, the three plate yep. drill, like yep. if I'm doing the three plate drill with the, with, with, with the machine turned up really high, you get one pitch. If you miss yep. that one, I don't care. You're moving on to another Move place. On. And yep. you got to figure something out. And like, do guys hate that? Yes. But that's, to your point, that's how it is in a game. Like, if you're going yep. up there swinging at the first pitch, when I'm not, I'm not against swinging at the first pitch, but 
You're going to nope. be a hit it early in the count type of guy, jump on fastballs early in the count type of guy. But then when you step in against the machine, you want to see one first or you want to right. have a chance to see a few pitches before you like you don't get to do that against a pitcher. So if you want to swing early in the count, you need to have the capability to have the types of movements and the, and the types of adaptability in your brain that is going to lead to you being able to time up pitches early in the count if if you want to do that which means you need to time your or challenge your timing to the point where you can do that off of all time all, all types of different pitchers yeah from all types of uh paces and tempos of deliveries all types of different arm slots yeah. all types of different velos so from well, a I timing you, standpoint yeah we need to challenge time, i tweeted one time that my ultimate goal for our guys and girls my daughter is you call us, we'll show up in a dark alley. We'll show up in a dark alley. We'll play barefooted, glass everywhere. You throw anybody out there, and we got to get knocks. We're ready. Yep. Like, we don't need anything else. We're ready. Like, am I going to bet on our guys and girls, or am I going to bet on the traditional mold of training people to show up and, like, have to rely on, like, recalling their mechanics oh. because and i'm gonna need 45 minutes to get loose on this tee over here and they didn't bring the tee so like i yep. i can't I, I gotta work on my mechanics before i go hit yep. off of this you know martian from from another planet that we're playing yep. against in this dark alley that's got four feet long arms and a torso that's two feet tall and you know they're gonna throw weird stuff and like we actually started to recall my mechanics we actually started doing this, this, this past spring, we got to the point where we were, you know, this was three, four weeks into the season. And when you're three, four weeks into the season, you're, you know, 12, 15 games in or whatever. Um, uh, I got to the point where I, where I felt like, and this is kind of going back a little bit in the conversation where I felt like some of that general movement stuff that we were using our time and, and, and our resources on 12 games into the season, uh, is probably something you can start to cut out. So what what I actually started to do 10, 15 games into the season, when we would have time in the cages, I was like, okay, what is the best way that I can replicate them going into a game? Okay, when I go into a game, even if I've taken BP that day, it's been an hour and a half probably minimum since I took my last swing, right? When we start the game, it's probably been an hour and a half since I've actually hit. I mean, unless you go to the cages and take swings 30 minutes before the game, but still, um, when you step into the box, that's the first pitch that you've seen in a while, right? So yep. what we started doing in our training activities that, 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 that we would do on our off days, like on our practice days, we would go into the cage, and I actually would do like, okay, we're going straight into, you know, we're throwing higher velo BP, from a coach over here. And then in this cage, we're doing a uh, angled machine or regular machine or breaking ball machine. We're just going straight into it because this is what you're going to have to do in a game. You're going to have to go from not having taken a swing in a while. Now, obviously we did a, a warm up, Like we, like we yeah, got sure. the bodies loose and stuff. Like we're not and figuring sure. out like been there with a stiff back. Right. So like, <laughs> yeah, like they're, their body temperatures are up Their you know, joints have been challenged at least to a certain degree to make sure that our mobility is there and we're not going to hurt ourselves. But once we did that, the first swings that they took of the day, um, now this is, again, this is 10, 15 games into the season. The first swings that they took of the day were, okay, you got to figure it out off of a machine because, you know, 
you're going to face a really good pitcher on Friday and he's going to be throwing hard and you're not going to know what's coming. And it's going to be probably an hour minimum since the last time you saw a moving ball. What are you going to do? So we try to replicate that. Um, and, and to I the last point though, to the last point though, and I say this a lot on Twitter, there are better ways to warm up than hitting a ball off the tee. Yes. Okay. Continue on. Yes. What you said, just want to point that out. Everybody yes. thinks you got to warm up as a hitter and hit the ball off the tee. Like there's better ways to do it. A there's better, better ways, ways to get loose and there's better ways to warm up that when you step up, like, so, so I, I do the back review videos. It's kind of why I do the back awesome. review videos. Like They're awesome. I do the back review videos because I show that I just warm up and then jump on the machine. Yep. And I show the whole round because I don't hit every ball good. Like you shouldn't have the expectation of hitting every ball good. You don't That's hit every ball good in the game. Right? I don't care about bats. Let's get that out of the way. I don't care about bats. I don't care about bat reviews. I do the bat review videos to show this is kind of what it should look like a bit. You know, like don't yeah. – I could do these bat review videos off the tee. But the T is not representative of actually hitting. Yeah. And so we're going to hit these things. And so anyway, continue on. I just want to make the point. Well, there are better ways to get loose than hitting off T. Another thing that I like about the bat review videos is they kind of are like evidence that there's not that big of a difference in, in a bat. It's not the bat. It's nope. the hitter. Which nope. is like my favorite part about all of it is it's like all these guys, oh, yeah, this, this bat is awesome. This bat is so much better. It's got so much pop. And I'm like, no. It's it's the Indian, not the arrow, guys. It's the right. Indian, not that's the why arrow. I put the date. That's why I put the date on the screen. Yep. I mean, like I I watch the baseball bat bros videos. Like they're entertaining videos, but like I'm like, this is kind of misrepresenting everything. Yep. Like I like this bat. It's like why? Because you had because you had a good round with it. Actually, better because you had one. Yeah. You had one. Yeah. Like people don't think about that. It's like oh, this bat is so. Maybe you just had a really good day hitting that day, and you think yep. the bat good because you hit a few balls on the barrel but guess what you yep. hit the balls on the barrel of any bat you're going to feel like that bat's probably pretty good it'll be good yeah it'll <laughs> be good no anyway I, that's why i do the bat review videos i think they're a good representation yes and show you that absolutely now we could go into the rabbit hole of balance and gr- so i'll give you this quick one and we can move on i'm going to run an experiment on my seven-year-old son I'm going to take his, I take his, I took his hand measurement. I took his grip diameter and I'm going to keep the ratio of his hand to grip diameter, the exact same for, for a number of years from now. So that the bat never really feels different to him than it did through the years of developmental time, right? If I keep the bat diameter, the exact same ratio to his hand size, the bat never really feels different to him because Again, as the bat feels different to you, your body's going to to move differently. It's yeah. gonna it's gonna adapt differently. Mm-hmm. And so, if I can keep the bat roughly feeling the same in his hand through the whole time he's developing, and even into high school, I mean, he may end up with a bat size that's like this, but it's like it feels exactly the same way it did to him when he was like seven. That's another interesting conversation yeah. for another uh, day, but like I hadn't really thought about that. But that is a really interesting way to think about it. But yeah, from an an adaptation standpoint, yeah, the the implement that we're using, whether it's a bat or anything, um, the way that it feels, it's gonna like cause different. It changes how you move. Yes. Yeah. yeah. It, it can change in grip size. To me, this is a whole another conversation. Grip size to me 
is really something that changes how you move. Yeah. Because you give a guy a bat, like Connor Dawes, we, we did the round table with Dawes, and I asked him, like, what's the weirdest bat you've ever swung? He said, we had a guy, we had a local guy. As I do go, we had a local guy that built bats, and he asked me what I wanted, and he brought in just the billet, just the billet that the bat is made from. And so it's like this. And he gave it to the guys, and the guys are like, they're not even sure what they can do with this. <laughs> yeah. But then we got to go hit a moving ball with it. And it's like, again, you want to challenge how people move and adapt. Like, like give them something that Having they hold that's that like, big. Yeah. That they're, yeah. And they're like, huh, that is so strange. But again. That, yeah. That, that, that is definitely weird to think about. Um, talk about adding differential learning. Um. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that, for sure. That, that 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 definitely is a great example of that for sure. Okay, so we've got approach, we've got we got barrel, B is barrel, barrel precision. Barrel precision. I was going to say back control kind and of thing. And that then, and and that's and that's kind of that that second one, that B one, if I'm being honest, that's my favorite one. Um yeah. and that kind of gets back to, you know, what you had mentioned earlier about me being the guy on Twitter that you know, uh, that just says everybody should swing at everything. Um, right. and that is <laughs> you know, not necessarily figure it out. Yeah. And just to kind of, just to kind of touch on that quickly, that is not the case. Um, the way I think about that, and I think I've actually tweeted this before I actually said this to a player, I think it was last fall and it kind of like, I just kind of like, thought of it in an organic conversation. It was one of those things where like I said it before I even realized that I had thought it before. And then like all of a sudden I was like, Oh, I'm going to have to remember that to me. I think about um, the ability to hit all kinds of different pitches, which is, you know, kind of my thing on Twitter. Um, Well, that and being critical of guys that focus on mechanics too much. I'm not sure which one one I'm known for. But, um, but uh, you know, the, like guys hitting pitches that are balls, really challenging pitches. That's like, that's something that I'm very passionate about pushing the limits of human potential and athleticism and adaptability and those ways, very, very much a big part of what I believe in. Um, I said this to a player last fall, um, the way I think about guys being able to hit pitches on the edges, um, or pitches that are balls or like that are way out of the zone or whatever. I think about it like a nuclear weapon. Um, there, there is no scenario where, as a nation, we should ever want to have to use a nuclear weapon, right? We don't want to have sure. to use them. Hope not. That does not mean that we don't have more of them than anybody else in the world as a country, right? Right. And what does that afford us? That, that affords us confidence. That affords us the ability to do a lot of different other things that if we didn't have those nuclear weapons, we, as, 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 as sort of this confidence layer, this foundation, yep. that everybody knows we have them. It allows us to do a lot of other things that we wouldn't be able to if we had zero. So that's right. kind of how I think about the ability to hit pitches on the edge of the strike zone and hit balls. If you have that in your back pocket, how much better and how much more confident do you feel with two strikes to at the very least foul a pitch off. That's a really tough pitch to maybe get you another one to get you to the next pitch. Or if it's a scenario where it's a really challenging pitcher, or you have to take a really ugly, ugly, nasty swing on a ball 
and you're able to hit a line drive somewhere to get a knock out of it, or maybe hit it down the line for a double, or maybe even get it up in the air and get it over somebody's head. Um, if you have that capability with two strikes, how much more confidence does that then build on you before two strikes? And this is kind of like the crux of it. How much more confidence do you have before two strikes to be more patient and disciplined in less than two strike counts so that you don't have to take the swing early in the count philosophy that a lot of guys have. So that's really kind of the basis of why I'm such a big believer in that. If you have that ability, how much better does it have the potential to make you early in the count in your selectivity to be able to really zone up a pitch or a pitch type or a location or a speed or whatever you're doing from an approach standpoint, if you have the ability to hit all these types of pitches and all these different types of positions, that's something that we should be training. Um, and it, it, it's also a big piece to think about from the standpoint of, uh, as coaches, we love to think about in terms of deficiencies, right. And limitations. Sure. You can't do this. And you then drawing the one-to-one conclusion. Yes. We're going to draw the one-to-one conclusion that it's this. Like, you can't be successful if you no, it, it's insane. Yeah. You can't be successful if you do this. And we love telling pitchers or sorry, we love telling hitters what they can't do. Well, what if we start inspiring hitters to fig, to find ways that they can do things that they never thought were possible? And I know that I'm getting a little ethereal and metaphysical now and how I'm kind of talking about these things, but um I like thinking in terms of how can we push these boundaries these perceived limitations oh i can't hit this pitch or oh i'm never going to be able to do this well have you tried have you worked on it have you actually yeah. committed yourself to getting better at this so that's a big part of the foundation of why i'm such a believer in promoting these ugly swings on pitches out of the zone on twitter is to get guys thinking is to get people thinking hey maybe 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 there are some possibilities there maybe me just funneling and optimizing for pitches in the middle of the zone Maybe that's leaving a lot on the table. Maybe there's more there if we actually dedicate ourselves to working on this explicitly. Maybe we can push the boundaries of human athletic potential and adaptability to the point where we have more options in our tool belt, which is really what it's all about. Am I developing more options? Being able to hit a nasty breaking ball that's three inches off the plate or a 98-mile-an-hour fastball four inches out of the zone up top at least to be able to foul it off, those are weapons. We should think about those things as weapons that we want hitters to have as many weapons as possible walking up to the plate um, instead of trying to constrict them and say, oh, you can't hit this pitch. Only swing at pitches down the middle that you're looking for and, and blah, 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 blah. Like, to me, that's limiting. And I like thinking about in terms of inspiring and trying to help hitters find more adaptability and explore the levels of athleticism that could lead to them having more tools in their tool belt when they walk up to the plate. So that's kind of right. what that's all about. So I'll use my daughter again as an example. She comes up this past weekend, late in the game. The, the winning run is on second base with two outs. Again, I'm not worried about her going up there, having to recall her mechanics. Like she is, I'm the only one that's ever trained her. Her coach is awesome. I've Her coach I trained their kids. And so they don't say anything to her either about how specifically she should be moving. Again, does she get a hit? Does she not? Doesn't matter because I know watching the game from, from 
the stands because I'm not coaching the game is at least I think she's going to go up there and be on time, put some good swings on it. Whether she gets hit, whether or not, I don't know. But at least I know she's not going up there trying to recall what she should be doing when she gets in the box. Mm -hmm. She's going up there with a pretty clear mind, I think, with uh, like she's just looking for the ball like in in time and space and trying to swing at it as fast as she can because she's trying to hit it hard, you know? And so I think the ultimate goal for, for hitters is like, man, if you can just go up there and and I, and I, everything's got a time. We can, I go into this a lot with a lot of people. It's like, everything's got a time exchange. Like if you're doing X and you're not doing Y and if Y is the most important thing, then why are you doing X? Like, don't worry about X, like punt X and focus yeah. on why. Yeah. And for me, what you've talked about is the mind, a lot of it is just the mind space, like being in the right mind space. Because if I spend 30 minutes on the tee, or if I spend 45 minutes talking about my mechanics, and then consciously I'm thinking about my mechanics, like when do I get into the, 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 like what I, what we, what we recognize as the competitor's mind, like I'm just competing Right, the, the same coach that tells you you should hit off the tee and you should swing at strikes also screams, We need competitors. And it's like, yeah. Well, what have you done yep. to develop a competitor? Yeah, because ultimately, that's what I want. Like, I want yep. competitors that are going to rip your soul out if you leave yep. the ball over the plate. Absolutely, yeah. And but, but at the same time, we have given them. And this was one of the questions I was going to ask. What are the tools that you use? What are the tools that you use to develop those three qualities? We can really go into barrel precision if you want. But like, I've given them long bat. I've given them short bat. I've given them in load. I've given them knob load. I've given them fat grip. We've bounced balls. We've thrown balls. We, and we've never once gotten out of the mind space of, I don't expect you to hit this ball perfectly, but I do expect you to compete with this ball yep. pitch to pitch. And then once the, once the result is over, people will say this, well, you got to, you know, one of the most important qualities that you can have as a hitter is the ability to move on. Well, what have you created in practice given a hitter the opportunity to move on? Exactly. Because it, if you create, if you critique every miss hit, then you're not giving them the space to move on. Yeah. They're still thinking about it. One of my favorite things that you, you know, traditional baseball guys, hitting bros, coach bros, um, love, love to say um, that makes zero sense to me. And I will fight this till my dying breath. Um, <laughs> the whole idea of, oh, you work on your mechanics and you work on your swing page right. so that when you go out, so that when you go out and you get in the batter's box, you don't have to. I'm like, wait a second. So you're going to spend the majority of your time, right? It's a time in exchange. a baseball setting. The majority of your time, and I'm going to raise my voice here. I'm going to need to calm myself down because it, it just <laughs> fires myself up. It just fires me up so much. You, you mean to tell me you're going to spend the majority of your time emphasizing and talking about the importance of how a guy moves or what his mechanics are in a cage setting, on the field, whatever it is. Right. You're going to emphasize that. You are sending a message to the player that that matters. Yep. And you are telling them, but when you get in the box, you can't think about that. Don't think about that. What? Are you? <laughs> yep. yep. 
did you hear what you just said? Like yep. when people say that to me, like I, I just, I just want to throw something like, I'm like, that makes no sense. That makes like, there's no logic that is based to that. Like that is, that is so unbelievably far off from right. how we should be thinking about this. And like, it is just confirmation bias from uh, the standpoint of like, we are, we have, we're doing oh, a book club. We started a book club with our guys this, this month is our first month. Our first book is Tim Grover relentless. I don't know if you've read Grover's book, relentless. He trained, I don't know if you know Grover, he trained Michael Jordan, he trained Kobe, he trained Dwayne Wade, like dude's good. And so we had our first book club meeting on Monday and the assignment was read, read at least the first chapter, but read on because we're going to get to like the fourth chapter, but you have to highlight five things. And then we're going to come into a zoom call and I'm just going to pick people to, to ask you what you highlighted and then say why you highlighted it. And pretty much across the board, there's a line in there that he didn't, Grover didn't say who the player was, but he said, this guy flew to, flew to me 3,000 miles during the NBA finals, probably Kobe, for me to tell him, don't think. And I said, and I raised the point in the Zoom meeting, I said, you guys realize, I just want to point this out because we never talk about this. You guys realize that that really is the foundational principle of the reason we train the way we train. Is yep. so you don't have to think. You yep. just go in there and you just do. Yep. And like if the ball's four inches up out of the zone and you and you fire a swing at it, we've covered that. Like we've covered that exactly. base in some capacity of exactly. you've swung at that ball before. Like maybe you hit it, maybe you foul it off, maybe but like on time, swing fast. If you swing through it, if you if you miss it, you again you could fly out. You'll probably fly out and coach pro will say, see, too much launch angle. And he swung in a bad pitch. I'm like, <laughs> yep. number one, he wasn't, or he or she wasn't trying to fly out coach yeah. pro. But yeah. he's trying to hammer that ball for a double. I promise you. Yeah. Whether you did, whether you didn't, we can, but I promise you this, he or she has moved on. So if you don't bring it up, they've hopefully moved on. Which they should. They should. We've moved on. Like we've moved on. We're, we're, we're to the next hitter you know one thing my daughter's gonna work on is like you got to move on but like move on and like encourage the next hitter and the next like get involved more in the other players you know game stop focusing on yourself as much yeah because i think at the i've told hitters this the foundation of your slump is you're just too worried about you yes like worse spend more time worried about your teammates and encouraging your teammates don't think about you Yep. You're going to get your time and space to go up there and get get your opportunity to hammer a ball. But yep. like, if you spend all that time and space worried about you, then the stress that you're going to have during that at bat is going to be much higher, and it's, it's like, never going to let off. It's never going to let up. And so, until you just get to that point, that 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 is an excellent point that 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 we don't really talk about or don't really think about, honestly. But you know, we as a baseball community traditionally, we still. And modernly, honestly, it may be worse in more of a modern sense, but conventionally and modernly, we spend so much time. Uh, so we'll be overly critical of guys who, oh, he's just in his own head. He's, you know, he's yeah. in his own dome. He like can't get out of it. Like he's soft. He's weak. Oh, he's got the yeah. yips. He's he's so mental, like blah, blah, blah. We'll, we'll be critical of that stuff, right? As coaches or people in player development or scouts will say that. And 
all these things. Yet at the same time, we create that. We literally we, create we that, that. environment that we design. We design yep. that environment. We encourage that. He's just a byproduct of that. And then, and then we're critical of it. It's like, yep. you realize you did this, right? By like causing players to focus so much on yep. their swing, on what's, yep. on, on what's wrong with them, on what they have to fix. Like you're critical of, of players for this and that and, and like telling them what their deficiencies are and, and you know, getting them so self-focused. And, and, and then you're critical of them when they're a head case. It's like yep. it doesn't make sense. It doesn't add up. Like, yep. yep. You know, I, I told players that when you're struggling – Make your number one priority being a good teammate. Yes. Like, just be a good teammate. Like, don't think about yourself. It's basically when you're struggling. Yep. Like, the number one default is to go work on your swing. Like, don't don't put more. And I've told a few of our guys this. I'm like, if you have a bad game, like, don't go take more swings after the game. Yes. Like, just move on. That because if you I put want. too much emphasis on, if you put too much emphasis on, the failure over time. Just move on. It's, it's more like important that you move on than you recognize. If you put too much recognition on the fact that you didn't play or didn't get what you wanted, and they're like, "Well, it helps me. It helps me move on." And I'm like, "No, it doesn't." That could or may be true, but I would much rather you prefer just move on. And I make it a point after every tournament. This is simple for my kids, but this is why I do it. Like we go get ice cream. Yeah. We're just going to go get ice cream. Like we're not going to talk about the game. We're going to get in the car. We're going to go get it. We're going to go get an ice cream. I don't care if you play good. I don't care if you play bad. I don't care if you got a hit. And now whatever your ice cream is as a player that's in college or pro ball, like do that instead. Yeah. Instead of like going and getting more swings. Cause then you put too much power. You give things too much power. And it's like, you can't, can't give that those things too much power. Moving on from failure should be something. Just move on. Emphasize. Move yeah. on from success too. Like yeah, true. Yeah, move on. It's over, man. It'll have no bearing tomorrow. You know. Yeah. But then we. That's why the thing is up and down. Anyway, I we can talk about that all day. Oh, I yeah. want to talk about. I want to talk about the tool. Like, what are the tools? What are some of the tools that you use, or what are the some of the things that you do for the barrel precision bucket? Like, what yeah. do you what? So I'm big on the no takes rounds, which yep. are, um, and you talked you know, about skinny sticks and tennis. Yep. Yep. So I'm big on the no takes rounds. I'm big on the tennis swings. They have to hit it off of bounce no matter where it is. I'll just kind of throw it all over the place. Yep. Um, uh, I, I am big on like the tiny little golf sized wiffle ball yep. that you hit with like tight, like really overly skinny PVCs. Yep. Um, I actually found these recently, um, or I saw them recently. It was several months ago. I haven't ordered them yet, and I haven't used them before. But they're basically overload, underload, and maybe you've used these or seen them. They're overload, underload, um, skinny bats. Like Dang they're like no, that, I haven't. They're like that thick, and yep. they're, for lack of, of a better way to put it, they look like painted rebar to me. Like like painted thick rebar. Yep. Um, I actually built something for my kids did you? that was okay. that. Yeah. Um, I built an inload. I built a a grip bound biased back. And then I built one where the weight is right where the sweet spot is. Yeah. So it's swinging the weight exactly where they should hit the ball. That's awesome. 
Yeah. Um, yeah, but the, I, I've not seen like a like a commercial. Yeah, I, I don't. I just find the stuff I build more interesting. To, to yeah. Typically, I can build things that are more interesting than what you like is to build stuff. So. You're you're a big. Oh, I'll just build it. I'll figure it out. I'll figure it out. So, yeah, yeah. Um, I think the but, last time we talked to you, we just built the L bat, like the the bat that had the the bend in it. Uh-huh. So so like it was a, it's a skinny stick that we just kind of put a couple ninety degree elbows in. So the where you hit the ball was like a ball below where your hands actually were. And so now my brain processes where the where you hit the ball as where it is in relationship to my hands. So now okay. it's below where my hands think that it is. And I'm just going to have to like adapt for that. Figure like out I'm going to have to work on my aiming points and my yeah. how I'm yeah. where I'm swinging. That would be interesting to kind of use that. I, I I haven't, I haven't done anything. I'll send you a what, picture of it. Yeah. Send me like a, either a picture or like a video of like somebody doing it. Um, just to kind of Nick, see. Nick did it. Did Nick he? did okay. it. He was I'll here. Ask him yep. what that was like. Yep. I'll ask him what, what, yep. what it was like doing that. But, um, but yeah, so I, 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 I found those. I don't even know how I came across those. I haven't ordered them yet. Um, I actually asked our head coach here if he would order them or if we had the the money and the budget to be able to do it. But I would love to be able to do that because to me, that would put, that would be able to put kind of the C, the contact quality piece. Like, are you hitting the ball hard and at a good angle, which is basically bat speed training. That's, that's basically all the C is it's, it's moving the bat fast and hitting the yep. ball at, at, at a good launch angle, kind of between 10 and 30 degrees, kind of that sweet spot. So that's all this, the C part is that's, that's all bat speed training. Um, but to me, if you're, if, if you have the capability to have these, these skinny bats that are overload underload that, uh, from like a weight standpoint are, yep. um, similar to what an actual bat feels like, but they're skinny. Yep. And you can either hit baseballs or you can get those little cork balls. You know what I'm talking about? Yep. The little cork yep. ball. Um, and then maybe get a bunch of those. And then you're basically doing bat speed training in like like a miniaturized type of environment. You could just throw BP with that. Like and yep. have guys uh take take overload, underload swings while they're working on their barrel skills, because the bat's a lot smaller and the ball is a lot smaller. So then maybe once you actually go to you know, you transition from that to regular BP with a regular bat, how much easier is that going to feel to guys to be accurate with their barrels? Um, and then kind of do that over an extended period of time and see how the mind and your eyes and the brain adapts to smaller implements and a smaller ball like that. Um, so that's something that I really would love to do. I haven't done before, but um, would be really excited to do that. The long bats and short bats, I feel like can have a huge, uh, can be a huge, benefit in training barrel barrel precision as well just yep. in the difference in where the sweet spot is in relation to your hands is going to I love the axe long bat short bat yes love yeah. it love I the 37 those, 30. I haven't used those before but I have uh I have done like those explicitly but I have used like longer like a yep. longer heavy trainer it's like orange yep. wood you've probably seen those before that's that's basically a long bat yeah um, those things those are my those those are our defaults now like that's what we use now most of yeah. the time is the long bat short bat yeah we throw an underload in there we'll throw yeah. an underload in there with it just for compensating for faster swing time 
you know, yeah. so you so your timing is now challenged too. Again, even it's do- about it's about honestly, it's about just I say tools like it's about just as much. I mean, you could take you could do so much stuff because again, it's about creating things where your brain is active. And if I'm yeah. switching bats every two or three swings and I'm constantly, I've got this different grip because you could go, you could go long bat, fat grip. You could go long bat, you know, skinny grip. You can go short bat, fat grip, short bat, skinny grip. You can go light bat, fat grip, skinny grip. You can go, you can make the light, the size of the light bat longer, shorter. You, I mean, there's just an, a, so many things that aren't, again, it, everybody wants this one-to-one answer yeah. it's like well if i use the knob load is that going to help me you know suminate in time I'm like maybe but it's not about being able to suminate in time yes at all you know is that a quality that you may show over time maybe but like there may be times that you don't that, and that's what leads to success that's the problem with the internet and that's the problem with everything it's like we get these snapshots and it's like, could we play? I like when you put the four swings up, but like, if we're going to represent the right thing, it's like that should be 400 swings. Yes. It's if like, I could, here's I would. a gift of 400 yes. swings. Yeah. It's like, which look is at actually these. kind of the, which that's, that's actually kind of the point that I'm getting at. Yeah. And, uh, I just don't have the time. There's no bandwidth resources to be no. able to put all of those up. But that's kind of the point that I'm getting at. These are four examples, but there are hundreds there of thousands of them. Yep. Yes. That are yep. all and different. This is why in all these in all these swings are different, but in all these swings, the underlying physical skills are roughly the same for that given hitter. Yes. And so make the main thing the main thing. This is where I wanted to go and tie all this together because I think this is where you come from. Like you got to address the underlying physical skills and tools. Like you got to be strong enough. You got to swing the bat fast enough. You're going to hopefully your batted ball report is going to show that you hit the ball between 10 and 30 degrees. But if you don't have Rapsodo hit tracks to tell you that over time, a bat sensor can be a good tool because you can track your attack angle over time. And if your attack yeah. angle over time is 15, five to 15 degrees, you know, I would probably on a, on a, on a bat sensor wouldn't advocate being much above 15 degrees because then we get into, but, but again, you get these big snapshots yeah. of time, which is what you need. You know, I was going to ask you, I don't, you probably did with the twins, but like, having a hitting rap soto or a hitting or a hit tracks or anything like that is like, this is all really people, people don't get this about my hit tracks. It's like, it sits here every day. It logs all the batted balls every day. It's fun. We look at it. You can chase PRs. It's great. But what it gives us is the snapshot over time that we wouldn't get otherwise of like, this is where we were six months ago in your contact quality, your hard hit average. This is where we are now. So what we are doing, we're getting better at, which gives context to the weirdness of training that you have to have. Like it makes you you show people again in in private industry is different from the team because the team kind of has to do what the coach says. But like people that come to me, it's like, 
He doesn't even talk about mechanics. And then he goes and tells his neighbor, I went down there and that guy didn't even talk about his mechanics. Can you believe that? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, you gave me like two times, man. Yeah. Give me six months and let me show you the data in six months about what is yeah. actually going to matter when the game starts. Because everybody wants a I mean, quick fix. Right. Right. You know, and I've tried to, I've not dummied it down, but like, I don't know if you've seen the competitive hitting report. Like you can't compete with 50th percentile bat speed. If you are, if you are a high school player and you want to play in college, and I had a high school player come to me this spring and said, Hey, my goal is playing college. And I knew he wasn't very good, but I'm like, that is awesome, dude. That is really, that's a great goal. Why don't you come in and let's just hit, let's just hit. And so like, he came in, we stuck his answer on his bat. We turned the hit tracks on, we hit. I put, I extracted all the data and put it in, put it out and said, look, if that's your goal and that's a real goal, here's kind of where you are. And if you don't go to here with these underlying physical skills, you can't compete at that level. And they're like, oh, okay. I'm like, and it's not going to look the way you think it's going to look. Like there's going to be, again, Swing speed sticks, med ball throws, you know, strength conditioning, deadlifts, squat. I mean, it's just, and, and they're more understanding. And that's my use of data. I mean, that's my use of data. Like, I don't know that you've had the access to those tools outside of the time with the twins. I've told Nick this. Technology and the ecological dynamic approach were like made for each other. Yeah. They were like, made for each other yeah. because it makes a lot of it will make no sense to anyone until you say, Hey, six months ago, your hard hit average was 32% on representative pitches. Now it's like 65%. Your launch angle of your hard hit is your hardest hit balls was like five degrees. Now it's 18 degrees. You're officially better. Like, not yeah. because Coach Bro told you you're better, but you are officially better. Not because my – and I try to tell people that. I'm like, don't don't train with us because I sold you on the fact that what we do works. Train with us because the data that's in my computer on this scope of players tells you that if you just well, stick to this, within the right – again, there's yeah. factors. The mindset, think- the ideas, the <laughs> – but if you just stay with it, yeah, this curveball machine at three plates, not only are your underlying skills going to get better, what you're going to see in a game is actually going to be better too. What you're saying, though, it it requires it requires us as coaches and us in the baseball industry to acknowledge what actually matters, what actually yes. the objective is. Yeah, and I think that's I think we, that's the hardest problem. That we get we have. lost. Like we don't focus. We're not focused on mm-hmm. the thing that matters the most in the game. Yes, which is I don't want to talk about getting hit hard at a good angle on a regular basis. That's it. In a game. Is the ball getting hit hard at a good angle on a regular basis in a game? That's that's the only thing that matters. And it's like, no, well, yeah, obviously, like I acknowledge that, but yeah. X X Y Z is what leads to this. Or if you are doing. Uh, ABC, then it won't lead to this on a consistent basis. It's like, no, you're you're getting caught up in all this nonsense. All that matters is that right. 
getting hit hard at a good angle on a regular basis in a game. That's it. Period. Your opinion on how that goes on, on, on how that happens is irrelevant. It's completely irrelevant. And what you think lead to success or not lead to success over the long haul doesn't matter. It's if it actually happens or not. So that's where the data piece is so, so important. Right. And you, and that's what I was going to, the point I was going to make. It's like, you have no information at all to tell me that that's true. Yep. Like none. There's not opinion. an objective piece of information yep. anywhere that says that is the way that you should go. Now, if you want to take six people and you want to measure your progress and you want to map it with the game, because the game is, that's what I, you know, I, I team train some youth teams. I, we have our individual clients, yada, yada, yada. You doing good in the game is all I care about. Mm-hmm. That's all I care about. Like I think people in what I do, they want you to, like feel good for thirty minutes, so you'll pay them more. And yeah. then like when it gets to the game, it's like I don't really care how you do in the game. It's the coach's fault. Back to me. Right, the coach's fault. He just doesn't know. He doesn't know. I mean, that's I could go on about that forever. Mm-hmm. It's like there are four or five people here locally that are like, bro, you are so you are so far off in this whole thing, but keep selling your stick, man. Keep doing it because you have no information that that works. None. And that's why data for me is so important. Like we can show people or we can say, Hey, we've not improved underlying skills a whole lot. Why not? You know, why haven't we like, what do we need to do differently? What adjustments do we need to make? Yeah. Yeah, Like where, where is this not going good? Like what, What do we need to do better? You know, again, just a tool. Again, I think Nick talked about this, just the batted ball, this tool to record batted balls. You know, if you're, I think Nick at Covenant or somewhere along the way, he hand charted like batted ball BP, like rated this ball hit hard, this ball hit here. Like, you don't have any tools, you know, you got to figure out a way to, 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 to assess batted ball yes. over time. Yeah. I, I, I do that in a D3 setting where we don't have any ball tracking, ball tracking Nothing. tech. We don't have anything here at Covenant. We don't have, uh, I've been on the head coach to get a rap soda hitting. I would, I would love to yep. at least get that, but we don't have anything like that. So um, what I do, um, I do the strings in, in the cages where guys can, you know, kind of yep. see in the cages what it looks like. When we are hitting on the field, everything is hit the ball. Like your goal is to never hit the infield dirt, like hit everything to where it hits the, like the first thing that it hits is either it's over the fence or it hits the outfield grass. Like that's, 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 that's your goal. So we try to keep it simple in training like that. But as far as tracking in games, I keep track of every single batted ball that is hit in, in games. And I have a zero through five system that I rank from a launch angle standpoint of uh, I'm sure there are a lot of other people that, 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 sure. that do this kind of thing. And it's I rank, something. and I rank subjectively whether I thought it was hit hard or not. Um, and then I give them those results and we track like how guys are doing and, and it, it's doing something like that so that there's some level of standard of what we're trying to accomplish. And it, 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 it puts the emphasis on what should be the main thing which is kind of what we're talking about here. Yep. What is the main Again, thing? It's, like, it's I that don't time care what it exchange. Looks like. yes. It's that time exchange. If we are spending time on X, then we are not spending time on Y. And every minute that we take away from Y, 
is a minute that we're not spending on the thing that matters on the thing that matters the most, you yeah. know, and that's, that's why I said, you know, and Tim, I, I said this to Rusty Kilm, Tim Ferriss wrote the four hour chef and I read the four hour chef. I didn't read the cookbook part of it, but the first part of it is about skill acquisition. He took something he's not real good at and wanted to learn how to do it. And he says in the book, the top, the highest achievers in, in what they do have the benefit of, of unlimited time. So if Mike Trout wants to spend 30 minutes on tea, Mike Trout has unlimited time to, to, to spend on his craft because that is yeah. what he does. Chances are you don't have unlimited time. You yeah. don't. Not to say you're not Mike Trout, but you don't have unlimited time. If you have an hour and you spend 30 minutes of it on the tee, you extrapolate that over. Let's say you do that every day. I am grinding, man. I'm going every day. Okay, well, you spend 30 minutes on the tee every day. If you extrapolate that hour over time, you have spent hours and hours and hours on something that's not the main thing. Yep. So what if player player Z cuts the tee out and he spends the whole hour on the main thing? Look at how much time he is ahead of you. Yep. And you have gained no ground on him. Now, if you have unlimited time, if you have all day, to devote to your craft of hitting a ball well and you want to spend 30 minutes of it on a tee, fine, whatever. Or, and the, 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 the other piece I would add to that using Mike Trout or other, I mean, he's obviously on highest performance. You can but, take any of those guys. Yeah. Like, like if, if those guys are already at that level, they already have a level of skill to be able to hit big league pitching. Sure. They can, they are farther ahead of you. So, they are so far. I don't think people accurately get how far ahead of you yes. they are. They can use that time to spend on a tee that is doing very little for them. And they aren't losing anything. Like, cause like it, it, they already have that level of skill that's so far ahead of, of where you're at. You need to do more than what they're doing in order to catch up. So there's, so there's that piece of it too. It's like, yeah, you can say, but it's this, it's this one-to-one, uh, yep. X to X type of ratio yep. that you're talking about where it's like, you know, we're in this mindset of, Oh, well he hits on the T and he's this good. So that's why. Um, and it's this no. correlation causation nightmare of an argument that you get caught up in with somebody where it's like, no, that's that like, that's, that is an, that is an inaccurate representation of how we should be thinking about this. He has that the time and the resources and can spend the time on that. Cause he's farther ahead of you on the things that actually matter that you are choosing to ignore. Yep. So yep. let's place the focus on the things that actually matter and figure out that you need to do more than what he's doing just to catch up, to get anywhere close to his level. And let's spend our time on that. And then at so that point, if you key. want to spend 30 minutes on the T, spend 30 minutes on yes. the T. At that point, you're Mike Trout, and then you're not even talking to me anymore because you're a big leaguer that can do anything yep. in the batter's box. So, and, and but yeah, you're nowhere close to that right now. So let's talk about the things that actually matter and you get and to spend his all of our time on it. Yeah. And I think it's, that's the thing that people misrepresent is like, how much time do you have, man? Exactly. Because if you're going to, if you're going to spend most of your time doing what you're talking about, I can't foresee how that's going to end up well for you. Mm -hmm. I just can't. It's just yeah. the time thing. It's yeah. time is not unlimited. Yeah. No, it's not. And you have a long way to go to get to where these people are. Yeah. And it's just not unlimited. So you better spend 
every waking moment of it yes. on the thing that matters the most. Yep. You know, the, the dads that, that have been around for a couple of years now, they're starting to come to this. He's like, dude, you spend no time. You ask us to spend no time on things that don't matter. I'm like, because they'll show me like their lifts. And I'm like, I would do X, Y, and Z. Just do these three or four things because you have to build consistent habits too. One of the things that people don't represent that well is like consistency. Yep. So you can be on fire with your ideas over a month, two weeks, six weeks, but like this is going to take 10 years. Yep. And so it's better to like sip from the hose than like turn the fire hose on all the way. And like, because if you're burned out in six weeks, because you have, again, this is like representative pitching off the pitching machine. Let's not do this for an hour. Let's take 20 swings with the brain engaged and then see how it goes tomorrow. Because tomorrow we're going to come back and we're going to do 20 swings. We're not going to do this today and then punt it for a week and do T-work. Like we're going to do this tomorrow. We're going to do this the next day. And hopefully we're going to build a body of work yes. of the representative task over time that helps you get to be Mike Trout so you can go out here on TV and tell people, or A-Rod, that you can go out here and on TV and tell people they should hit on the ground. It's like, dude, you didn't do that. <laughs> you didn't do that at all. But yeah. hey, that's the way you want to represent it now, whatever. You're doing a disservice <laughs> to everybody. Yeah. yeah. No, anyway, it, man, I won't keep you much longer. This is awesome. I want people to hear from you. Like, I want people to hear from you because Twitter's an awful medium for that. Yeah. And I think that if people understand your ideas about developing hitters, it's going to, it's going to make much more sense to them. Yeah. Yeah. And a guy like you should be a free agent period. You should not, you should not be a free agent. You should be coaching hitters somewhere because the value of off of the offense that actually matters in the game. You are a guy that I promise you, like, your team will be better than you were last year. Yep. Like, you'll be better offensively. You will score more runs. You'll do more things. Good. Like, you won't get a lot of mechanical fluff if that's, nope. if that's who definitely you want to hire. You won't get that with me. <laughs> you definitely like, won't get that with me. But, like, if you want to score more runs and, like, give your team a chance to win more games, which is what matters, like, Caleb's a guy that's got to be out there, like, building your dudes for you. I appreciate that. I, I'm, uh, you know, uh, I'm just trying to. Uh, I'm, I am trying to find ways to get better so that I can help players get better. And for sure, for it's, sure, it's a constant pursuit of finding ways that I can learn and and continue to grow. And you know, it, to me, the biggest piece is is we we have lost our ability to place emphasis on players mattering more than us as coaches. And we love to promote ourselves and we love to make it about us and us being right and us having this system right. that works. And, 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 you know, we all want something that works and we all want something that, you know, oh, well, I came in and, and, you know, had this level of, of impact and influence and, you know, we're successful now. And, uh, you know, I'm, everyone is human and, and wants that to a sure. certain degree, but, sure. but placing the That's emphasis hard. back I mean, that, on, we could go into that for sure. It's like, that could be a long conversation. Yeah. Put that out there. And it's hard to, cause I like, I don't want to come off and you were that guy. Like, I don't want to come off arrogant or, right. you know, like I had something to do with this, man. I was just trying to do the best work I could do. And like, 
help as many people as I could help. And this is how it turned out. Yeah. Was it me? Was it not me? I have no idea, but like, I was just trying to do the best work I could do and help as many people as I could help. And that's like, I think that's the beauty of, you know, the, the perspective that I have kind of grown into in my own coaching philosophy is that having that perspective and not wanting it to be about things going the way that you want it to go and having your way and explicitly prescribing movement or how things have to be. Um, and sort of trying to take this, you know, working harder to eliminate as much ego in myself as, as possible that, that approach in my opinion, is actually what leads to the most amount of growth for the athletes. If you get out of their way and you don't make it about you. So, um, in my experience, you can, you can actually create the results where people are talking about you in ways, uh, you know, of, Oh, he had this great impact. He did this. He had this, you know, he created this success because of his philosophy. You can, you can have people, which that shouldn't be the goal that people should be saying that about you in my opinion. Um, but people will be saying those things about you if that's not your goal, if you don't want that to be the case and you don't want things to be about you, people like will end up saying that because of the results that you get, because you're getting out of the way of the players that are the ones that actually matter. And it's like how it benefits them and them arriving at these conclusions and solutions on their own because of you getting out of the way. Um, you'll have people saying that about you. So it's this weird paradox. Like you have people saying that about you. If you have the perspective that you don't yep. care about that and you don't want that to be the emphasis and you put, and you put the emphasis on, on, on the growth of the game and you put the emphasis on the players individually and collectively. Um, then that's where, you know, really the results can be, um, can actually be seen from a progress standpoint and having the success that you want. Um, I, I appreciate you saying that about me and, you know, sort of that, you know, that little plug, which, you know, is awesome. Um, but I just, I just want people to have an understanding that from a philosophical standpoint, I think, uh, you know, you can have success in the things that actually matter, which is the relationship with the players and promoting the game and making it about them. For sure. And you can have the success from a baseball standpoint, if the perspective is on taking it off of yourself and you not having to be right or having the answer. Yep. So that's, so that's kind of my, that's kind of where I'm at right now and still continuing to, you know, to kind of try to grow in those areas and find the place that I fit best, no matter where that is. Yep. And I don't know where that's yep. going to be, but finding that. And that's that, the way that, that I feel. Spot. I think, I think I, I was going to send you this in a Twitter DM maybe, but I'm like, I don't want him to take this the wrong way, but it's like square peg in a round hole guys like you and I sometimes find hard it find it hard places to land you know i do what i do so that i can go in whatever direction i feel necessary is in the best interest for the player and i don't have to listen to i don't have to be privy to an administration i don't have to be have people making decisions about my job or i don't have to i don't really have to deal with parents too much because if you don't like what we do and you don't want to get the results we get, you don't have to come here. Mm-hmm. But like we're gonna go in whatever interest is in the best serves the player the best. Yeah. In the way that I and again, that's been the whole my whole coaching career. And that's and I hear people say that. It's like I just want what's best for the players. It's like, do you do you though? 
do you really like you do it seems like because i used to talk like you that's what i that's what i want to tell people i used to be you but then i bought a bunch of equipment that told me i wasn't doing a very good job and i changed <laughs> yeah not because you know that i mean that was that's been that's been my arc we could go into my arc as coaching but it's like i used to be you I used to have all the language, fancy language, and I used to overcoach hitters. And I just, I bought some equipment and it's some technology. And it's like, huh, what I'm telling these people is not true. Yep. And I am not making them better like I thought I was. Yep. And so then you turn, you go down a rabbit hole and you change because you are actually trying to do what's best for players. And it's like, I hear people say that. I'm like, are you though? Yeah. Are you really trying that, to? Because. That- I would question that if you are or not. Yeah, based on the things that you're saying and the things that you're promoting. Yeah. Because I was once you. Yeah. And I'm not saying that I'm perfect now. I'm certainly not. Yeah. But I hope that I'm better than I was then. And I hope that as information becomes better and, you know, experience becomes more, that we'll mold and adapt and keep going. You don't ever feel like you but have it's got to be in the best interest. It's got to be in the best interest of the player. Like yep. it's got to be for sure. You know, if you are a coach today and you at least haven't tried to put a bat sensor on a bat and just look at it over time, you don't have to coach off of it. You don't have to say anything about it. You just at least get something it. from it. Just yeah. look at it, man. Just look at it for yourself. Like I had some, this is, I, I could go on, but this would be my last point. I had some college coaches that bought a rap soto, somewhat here locally. They bought a rap soto. They called me, they said, Hey, can we talk to you about this? I'm like, sure, for sure. Like, I want to talk to college coaches. Like, I want to talk to coaches, for sure. They're like, how would you do it? I'm like, just put it down. Just put it down and record the data and go back to your office and look at it. Like, you don't have to say anything while the pitcher is pitching. You don't have to coach off of it. You don't have to, especially if you don't know what you're doing. But, like, just put it down. Just put a bat sensor on a bat and let them hit and see what comes out of it. See what you can learn from it, yep. Yeah. And just do it. All right, man. We're gonna we're gonna talk again because again, I don't write notes down. So there's always things I'm like, ah, we should have talked about that. Yeah, yeah. We'll talk again. We'll talk again. For Hopefully, sure. we'll be six months from now. We'll for try sure. to catch yeah. up in a couple of weeks and make make this time kind of regular for people to see you. I think that'd be awesome. Yeah, I, I yeah, mean, I'm, I mean, I'm open to talking about all kinds of stuff. I mean, there's all kinds yep. of. There's all kinds of rabbit trails we could have gone off on. No question. I mean, we I mean, we probably could have talked all day, honestly. So yep. Uh, yep. definitely a lot more time needs to be dedicated to talking about these things because they, in my opinion, they matter if we really want to make a difference in our sport. And you got to talk and, about in them. development. Yes, you have to talk about. You them. have to talk through it. Yes. You can't tweet about them. You can't. You yeah. can't because you don't know how people read. So anyway, sure. man, it was good talking to you. Yeah, awesome. for sure. I appreciate uh, I that. I sent you the link. I'm trying to. I'm trying to maybe try that Slack channel out to see if okay. people can get to the content a little easier. Can you send me the password? I tried to get on there. It asked for some kind of password. I think. Really. I'll go try to get on there again, and I'll tell you what it says when I try to get on there again. Yeah. But I think let me when know I try to says. get on there, it asks for a password. But I'll let you know. Yeah. Okay, man. Cool. All right. See you, dude. All right, dude. See you.